Welcome to NoSpinHomilies.com. I invite you to join me to reflect upon the homilies of Father Dan. Father Dan will challenge us to open our heart, mind, and soul to the Word of God. Father Dan will draw upon sacred scripture along with art, literature, and the lives of the saints to help us grow in our love and knowledge of the scripture. In doing so, we can become the living Word of God in this world. Now it is my pleasure to present to you No Spin Homilies. Today our church around the world celebrates the great feast of Christ the King. Now this is the end of our liturgical year. Next week we begin Advent, and that starts the new liturgical year. But every year our church asks us all as Catholics to stop, take a deep breath, and look at Jesus Christ as our Lord and the King to whom our lives are ordered to. Now, I always remember as growing up in my parish, our parish priest on this feast day would always say, if we are to say Christ is our king, it really doesn't mean much as contemporary Americans. Instead, he argued that we should call Christ president or prime minister. That would have more meaning for us. Well, I know he had the best of intentions, but I would argue strongly against that. Well, first, if we are to call Christ president or prime minister, that says that we have control over him. If we don't like Christ or his teachings, we'll vote him out of office. More to it, if we are to call Christ prime minister or president, now we've reduced him to just a world leader equal to all others. Well, no one is equal to Christ, except God the Father and God the Holy Spirit. And so on this feast day, we as Catholics around the world publicly proclaim that Jesus Christ is our King, the Lord of our life, to whom our life is ordered to. We offer total allegiance to Christ. That is warranted to him. If we are to say to Christ, you know, I, I listen to you when I feel like it, or I follow your teachings only when I want to, well, then we cannot say that Christ is the King or the Lord of our life. If we are to say Jesus is just another religious figure amongst many, just another inspirational leader amongst many, or just a great prophet amongst many, we are dead wrong. And Christ is not the Lord of our life. Something else is. But we, as a church around the world, publicly proclaim today, Jesus is God and he is king. He is the Lord of our life. And as king, he lives to govern our lives. Our lives are governed, are ordered to Christ now and always. Now, living here in the 21st century, we can say that with complete freedom, without any reservation, any ramification, or any consequence. But if we lived in the first century in the Roman Empire, your Lord and your King was Caesar, whether you liked it or not. More to it, the person that you called King 
had great overtones in your life. Essentially, you had to be a living extension of your king, such that what? The values that your king had, now you took on. The principles that your king had, now those are your principles. The beliefs of your king are now your beliefs. See, that's how you become a living extension of your king, a loyal subject. Well, so too with us as Catholics. The values of Jesus are now our values. His principles and ways of life are our principles and ways of life. His teaching are now our teaching. And see, that's important. That's what we celebrate here today. But if you go back to the first century in the Roman Empire, that was not the case. Your Lord was Caesar. And yet, after Jesus' ascension into heaven, a small band of individuals drew a line in the sand and they said, No, Caesar is not our Lord. Instead, they publicly proclaimed Jesus Kurios, which is Greek for Jesus is Lord. Now, this was a very provocative statement. In fact, revolutionary. And yet, the apostles proclaimed it without trepidation. They proclaimed Jesus Kurios, Jesus is Lord. Now, realize, by making this public statement, the apostles understood the ramifications that they could be jailed for this. Why? Well, first and foremost, Christianity was an outlawed religion of the state of Rome. Anyone who practiced it or even talked about it could be susceptible of being thrown in jail. Second, and probably even more important, Caesar was your Lord. If you were to say someone else other than Caesar is your Lord, then you were guilty of treason. Then you could easily be thrown in prison and even executed. And yet, didn't that happen to the apostles? Look at St. Paul. His ministry spanned probably 25 years. He spent half that time in Roman prisons throughout Asia and Europe because he publicly proclaimed what we celebrate here today. Jesus Kurios. Jesus is Lord. Look at the rest of the apostles. All of them, with the exception of John, were systematically hunted down and executed, martyred, because they publicly proclaimed, Jesus Kurios, Jesus is Lord. Look at the popes. In the first three centuries of our church, when our church was terribly persecuted, the popes publicly proclaimed, Jesus Kurios. They all knew the implications of that proclamation. But with great faith, like the apostles, they couldn't deny it. Jesus Christ truly was the Lord of their lives and ours. Now, with that in mind, turn to the gospel. And we see two kings squaring off. King of the world and the king of the universe, our king. Here in the gospel, Pilate is questioning Jesus if he truly is a king. Now, if you read the New Testament, the political leaders come across very poorly. Look at King Herod. King Herod ruthlessly pursues the life of Jesus Christ just as he's born. In fact, he's guilty of committing genocide in the killing of the innocents. 
Look at Herod's son, probably worse than his father. He beheads John and then contributes to Jesus' own death. And so, the political leaders in the New Testament are some very flawed characters. Now, in this gospel for today, Jesus stands before Pilate. Pilate is interrogating him. Realize, Pilate is Caesar's representative. Pilate says to Jesus, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Do you say this on your own, or have others told you about me? Well, Jesus' answer is quite evasive, isn't it? It is for a specific purpose. Pilate knows. He already has an idea in his mind what kingship looks like. It's according to the Roman model of kingship, about Roman authority. Pilate is a typical example of Roman authority. He's concerned with order, and he has the ability and has already has the history of being brutal in putting down uprisings. Above all, Pilate supports a system of domination, and that's what ruled the Roman Empire. That's what made it great. See, that's Pilate's idea, his vision of kingship. Jesus realizes this. That's why he's so evasive in his answer. But this is not Jesus' idea of kingship. In fact, it's just the opposite. Notice how Jesus answers Pilate. He says, My kingdom does not belong to this world. If my kingdom did belong to this world, my attendants would be fighting to keep me from being handed over to the Jews. Now, be very careful in understanding this. This does not, it does not mean that Jesus does not care about ordering the world. It does not mean that Jesus does not care about the ordinary day-to-day events of this world or the events in our own life. It does not mean that Jesus is not concerned about matters of peace and justice. He's concerned about all those things. Well, what is Jesus alluding to here? His way of ordering and governing, his kingship is not based upon fear, domination, sin, or violence. That's the Roman order. That's not Jesus' kingship. In fact, his kingship is just the opposite. It's based on charity, love, forgiveness, compassion. Notice further, after the discussion that Pilate and Jesus have, Pilate immediately sends him to the cross. What's the implication here? When we speak and believe about a new kingship, that Jesus Christ is the Lord of our life, the old kingship will be threatened. And that's what is happening here. Jesus is about to usher in a new world order, a new kingship, based upon him and what he believes in. And yet the old kingship, The Roman order is threatened by that. That's why they put him to death. And yet, on the cross, we see Jesus' kingship on display. Yes, Jesus is crowned as a king. He wears a crown of thorns. It symbolizes his acceptance of suffering on behalf of us. Yes, Jesus reigns from a throne, but his throne is the cross. And as he's lifted up on the cross, He draws all of us to him. And now 
it begs the question, what's the mark? What's the characteristic of Jesus's kingdom? Love, compassion, forgiveness, mercy, charity towards all. See, those are the marks. Those are the characteristics of Jesus's kingship. Well, what's the challenge for us? To continue to be a living extension of our Lord, the King of our life. Which means what? Jesus' values and principles and beliefs and ways of life must be our values, our principles, our ways of life. The marks or the characteristics of Jesus' kingship must be the marks or the characteristics and how we live our life. We must live our life according to love, compassion, forgiveness, mercy, and charity for others. See, when we do that, then we become a living extension of Jesus Christ, the Lord of our life in this world. That's why it's so important for us to celebrate this feast, not just once a year on this feast day, but every day of our life. Every day of our life, we should be publicly proclaiming to the entire world that Jesus Christ is our Lord and King. We should be publicly proclaiming Jesus Kurios. The best way that we can do it is not even uttering one single word. Simply by how we live out our life, how we behave, how we conduct ourselves each and every day, that's the best way in which we, like the apostles 2,000 years ago, boldly and publicly proclaimed Jesus Kurios, Jesus Christ truly is the Lord and the King of our lives. And may the grace and the peace of Jesus Christ rest upon you always.